morning show, The Breakfast Club. Man, what the hell is this, man? Breakfast Club, bitches. I'm glad they put y'all together. Y'all are like a mega force. Y'all just took over every... Wake your punk ass up. This Chris Brown. I've officially joined The Breakfast Club. Say something, motherfucker. I'm with it. The world's most dangerous morning show. Breakfast Club, bitches. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. Good morning. Good morning, Toronto. Damn. Damn, no six this morning, huh? Usually we get the six, 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 Picking okay, sides. So, dis- so disrespectful. You know I'm the biggest so Drake fan. Let's stop it. That is true. That is that, true. That, that is true. <laughs> that, is true. That, is true. that is true. You, you, you do too, you do do a little too much when it comes to Mr. Aubrey Graham. That is very true. So now you the hate you Drake? Told me be- the day you told me Beyonce had no talent. I didn't say this. I remember that. And, and, and all, all because of Drake. No, we're not Weird. doing this. We're not doing this today. No. no yeah, you no. said Beyonce wow. fighting Drake style now. Like, that. definitely no. did, man. No. It's so foul. Nope. It was something to that effect. It was not anything to that it effect. It was something to that effect. I remember. Nope. Then you said, and you said something like owls eat bees. Like, it was <laughs> wild. Definitely wild. said owls be eat. Yeah, I remember that. Owls beat bees. Yeah, that's eat what, bees. I, I remember that's that. That's why the beehive be on your ass. That's why the beehive be on your ass. Mm-mm-mm. What's wrong with okay. you guys? What's find, wrong with you? Let me find your Instagram so I can who try to be out who to go who to go have breakfast with this morning. Oh, My DJ Dramos, DJ D R A M O S. Want the beehive to know? I'm not doing That's this where you again. go for breakfast. That's where you go for breakfast this morning. Nope. Okay, that's right. beer. Uh, I have a I have a question this morning. So this firework situation, right? Is this happening everywhere? Because Fourth of July is coming up. It was just Juneteenth. I saw in New York, they actually went to the mayor's house, to Gracie Mansion, to protest just because people can't sleep at night because there's so many fireworks. Is this something going on across the nation? Let me tell you, it's getting so ridiculous here in New York, New Jersey. When I was shooting fireworks? Yeah, when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. you couldn't get fireworks. You had to drive to Pennsylvania or Virginia to buy fireworks. Now, they, like I said, they sell it in the grocery store. They sell it in the BJ's, Costco. You can get it damn near anywhere. And kids are going crazy with them. They're shooting Roman candles I've, like crazy. It's crazy. I've never heard this many fireworks for so many nights in a row all night long. Are fireworks um, expensive? I mean, I, uh, no. I mean, I grew up in South. I grew up in South Carolina, so we always shot fireworks. But I have been. I've been reading a couple of stories with people complaining about. Um, Firework activity all throughout the night. I saw yeah, some people got, in Oakland complaining. Yeah, we've always. I saw some people. We've in always had San fireworks. Jose, California but this is ridiculous. Well, they weren't. I legal. they were illegal in New York. They were illegal. You weren't supposed to have them, no, but yeah. you know the little bodegas. But we had them. Yeah, the bodegas. No, you had them. That, yes, that was gunshots you heard in Brooklyn. You stop. No, we always. Had, as a matter of fact, somebody on my block growing up, he blew his hand off from lighting fireworks on the roof. Yeah, we, we used to get the M80s from the bodegas or the jumping jacks or the Roman candles or they had the tank that would roll a little bit and then explode. But 
Yeah, uh, you, you didn't hear too many people that, that had them. Or we used to, as a kid, we used to take the M80s and put them in the telephone booth and blow up the, the telephone booth and get like $2 and quarters. That was fun. You know what I mean? It was stupid stuff, but they banned it. I used fireworks. The, the, the woman who used to uh, molest me when I was eight, I used fireworks to uh, make her stop. It was a little snapper things that you throw and they pop, they pop, pop, pop. That's oh, not fireworks. They are. You buy them at the fireworks, though. The little snaps. Of course, that wasn't yes. no damn fireworks. You didn't light it with no. Man, no don't lighter. tell me what my childhood was like. I used to, you don't light them with a lighter. They little fireworks. You throw right. them and they pop, pop, pop. You buy them at the That's fireworks. That's not a fireworks. Store. That's There's not a no fireworks. Fire. Snaps. <laughs> You still buy the fireworks, though. Where do you buy those snaps? Where, where do you buy those snaps from now, then? You, you could buy, buy them at like one of the little novelty shops. The anyway. dollar stores yeah. have them. Yeah, everybody has never, those snaps. I, I, I never, I never seen them in the novelty store. I only buy them at the fireworks stand. But I used her when she used to touch on me. I started throwing them at her. Pap, 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 pap. I guess that's why she yes, stopped. Sir. All right. Okay. Well, that's a little awkward. But now, um, today, yes, John awkward? Legend will be joining that's us. So Insecure. John Legend. Two Johns. Two Johns will be joining oh, that's us. That's right. Two Johns. John Stewart that's right. and John Legend. That's right. John John Legend um, has an album out right now. Uh, mm -hmm. and John Stewart has a movie coming out called Irresistible. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, I saw I got some terrible, terrible reviews. I read those, it did? I read those yesterday. Oh, yeah, it did. I read those yesterday. But see, that's one reason I don't like read reviews or listen to other people's opinions before I watch something or before I consume something. Because I watched it just on the script when they sent it for us to watch because he was coming to do the conversation. And I thought it was great. Okay. Personally. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't have yeah. thought it got terrible reviews. Horrible. They killed it. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news. What are we talking about? Well, maybe you're going to be ready for some baseball soon. It didn't look like it was coming back, but now it looks like Major League Baseball is really trying to start July 24th. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. EJ, Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page uh -huh. news. Where are we starting with Yee? Well, let's start with Major League Baseball might be coming back around July 24th, and they're targeting a 60-game season. But first, they need players to sign off on a health and safety protocol and to pledge to arrive at home stadiums by July 1st in order to prepare for the season. So yeah, we'll see. It's I, been three months of negotiations, and it still hasn't been worked out. I knew that immediately. Uh, yesterday, I, I took my son fishing yesterday, and as we were going fishing, I looked in, uh, on the baseball field, and they're playing a game. The Little League are, are actually playing a game. So when I seen Little League playing, and, like, these are kids playing, I'm like, oh, Major League Baseball is definitely coming back. If they allowing these kids well, in these different states to play, they're going to bring Major League Baseball back. That's not what it is. They've been trying to negotiate, but it all has to do with the finances of it also. So, you know, they're trying to pack in as many games as they can, and there's a, yeah, that's what the real issue is. It's not that they can't play. Oh, so they don't care about the COVID. They care just about the money. Well, I'm sure they care about that care also. About but yeah, of course they care about that also. They got to care about COVID. I'm sure that's the only reason that it's a delay and they're having the kind of, uh, I guess, shorten the season that they're having. I'm sure it's because of COVID. But but uh, but uh, people are not going to make the same noise about um, the MLB as they did about the NBA? And y'all don't find the MLB as a distraction? And then they say that about the NBA. The NBA can't come back because it would be a distraction to everything that's going on right now. Y'all don't have the same energy for Major League Baseball? Well, maybe the once they announce a real plan, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, it doesn't look, doesn't look that way. Uh, now, 
Let's talk about what's happening with uh, Donald Trump. He is focusing on restricting immigration into the United States. So he, as you know, they have ex extended DACA, and he said over the weekend he intends to refile paperwork to end DACA. That's the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program after the Supreme Court rejected his first attempt to do so. Now, his reasoning for that is because he wants to make sure that the economy can recover and that people who are U.S. citizens can actually get these jobs. And Amazon, Google, Twitter, and other tech companies are speaking out against Donald Trump's freeze on immigrant work visas. So the company said they will. The, the company said it will make American firms less competitive and less diverse, as he has extended that freeze on these work visas. So the tech industry does rely very heavily on the visa program and other work visas to recruit employees from outside the United States, and that's in particular for technical-facing jobs. And so they're saying it's now an unbelievably bad policy that will undermine America's economic recovery and its competitiveness. Mm -hmm. You guys pay attention to this whole immigration uh, situation. Now, this NYPD Shake Shack poisoning uh, whole scandal, they said, was not what it was made out to be. If you guys remember, three cops went to Shake Shack and they said that they were poisoned Right, but now there's a full picture of what really happened because they said it tasted like bleach, so they threw it out. So they're saying it's impossible for them to have known that it was actually drinks that were made for police officers. Their drinks were waiting for them when they arrived at Shake Shack because they actually placed an order uh, using the mobile app. So you have no idea who's placing this order. They purchased three shakes across two separate orders, and the workers couldn't have known it was cops that were doing it because it wasn't done in person. They couldn't have done anything, anything to the drinks after the officers arrived because the drinks were already packaged and waiting for pickup. So what ends up happening is, you know how they clean out the machines? Mm -hmm. And so when they clean out the machines, they have this thing called the residual milk stone remover. It's a typically acidic solution that they use to combat buildup in dairy equipment. So maybe there might've been a little bit where, that they tasted of that in their drinks, but it wasn't what it was made out to be. Like some officers are being poisoned and they don't know why this whole thing was blown out of proportion. So they lied because it couldn't have been bleaching uh, if they, if they called ahead, like there's no way they would have known that they were police officers. They were just like, it's just a random Uber Eats person just ordering food. Correct. Yeah, and I don't think it was the officers that lied because it did have a taste to it, and that's probably what the taste came from. Mm -hmm. But they said when they went back to work, I guess for some reason, you know, the they made a huge deal out of it, uh, their higher-ups, and made it a big deal. The Police Benevolent president, Association president made a show of visiting the hospital and said that the police officers came under attack from a toxic substance that was believed to be bleach. That whole story just ended up spreading. And so I don't think it was the actual police officers that made it a big deal. Well, just to play white devil's advocate, what if they uh, frequented, frequented this Shake Shack often and the workers there knew their name? That's a possibility. It yeah, but it was, order. but there wasn't actual bleach. It was probably the machine was just cleaned. And you know how you get those first drinks after they clean the machine? Mm -hmm. That's true, too. That's another possibility. Yeah, that's what they're saying happened. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. The number again is 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yo, this Key from Georgia. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. 
Hey, man, I'm blessed, black, highly favored, as Charlamagne would say. You know what I'm saying? I woke up next to yes, my sir. queen, my daughter. Hey, Even bro. though she won't get, get the hell out of my bed. But uh, I woke Oh, up my next God. <laughs> Wait, you don't have the same bed? It's not our bed? Nah, my daughter, she got her own bed, but she she, she oh. found her way into our bed every morning. So, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you thought you talked talk about your wife? I thought he was talking about his wife. <laughs> Oh, no, Man, stop. Wife, Y'all know he wasn't talking about his wife. <laughs> I did when he said my queen. I, I swear he did. Yeah, he said my queen. I thought he said his wife. And then he said his daughter right after that. My, 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 my daughter. Oh, I didn't him say the daughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My four-year-old does the same thing. My four-year-old has been doing that for like six, seven months, man. It is a struggle to make her sleep in her own bed. Yeah, I, I got to get up out of there now. She's messing up mommy daddy time. But I want to talk about y'all interview yesterday with old girl, man. Angela King. She was baking y'all. She was really baking y'all. Y'all didn't seem prepared, man. Y'all gotta bring in A off her. I bet I you she's not gonna win Trump, today. Trump, <laughs> she might not. I wasn't I, I, was, I wasn't trying to deb- I wasn't I wasn't trying to debate her. I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to debate her. I don't think that I just was, get I, very I, concerned I when people try to roll back women's rights and a woman's right to choose. I think that's concerning. It's concerning, but she she was coming with some she was coming with some heat. I'm just be real. Y'all listen back to the interview? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I watched it. I watched it yesterday. Yeah, she cooked. She, yeah, she did. She cooked. She, de- she definitely cooked the room. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thor- I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. I'm not gonna. Some, lie. I mean, sometimes definitely. Sometimes you just can't argue with people. You just gotta let people say their side. I mean, it is. Well, what why it is, were you but... arguing? We, I think we, it's yeah, dangerous. we should have been like. I, I wasn't arguing though. I wasn't arguing. I was there explaining. Was no, I, what, think what, a, I think as a I think as a woman, it's very concerning to me for people to put out this false narrative. Like, like if you're pro-choice, that means you're walking around killing babies. I don't like that. Yeah, it was a lot of different stuff. Though. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't agree with that part. Yeah, it was good interview. And I also don't agree that if a, a that I thought it was because a, your child is trans, that means that you're encouraging them to have sex or something. Like it was crazy to me. Now, like, what gender is different. That, what she said with that, like the whole the LGBT community, all those letters. The first three letters are sexually oriented. You know what I'm saying? So like those. I mean, let's just be real. Yeah, but I think when a kid comes to you and says, "Look, I'm a I'm a boy or I'm a girl," doesn't mean I want to have sex with whatever. It just means this is what I identify I as a gender that. as. Well, either way, man, appreciate y'all letting me in. All right, brother. Yes, sir. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up right now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm telling. I'm telling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm telling. I'm this is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Bo. Hey, get it off your chest. Hey, Bo. Hey, Charlemagne. Oh, my gosh, Charlemagne. I am a freaking huge fan. Um, a supporter. I was to say how um, uh, blessed I am because, oh, yeah, hey, um, Charlemagne, I um, ordered your books. Um, I accidentally ordered like two or three of them online. I mean the um, audio ones. Can I get a hard copy? Yeah, which one you want? Black privilege or shook one? Both of them. <laughs> both of them. All right, leave your leave your leave your um leave your address with our producer Dan. Okay. All right. So I will call I'll, I'll you, to you today. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I was calling in to say um, that I was I'm so blessed right now because I was in an abusive relationship for like. Um, over 10 years and um i ended up getting shot and beat in my sleep by my ex oh wow and um, Sorry to hear yeah that. so 
Yeah, and, I, and I've been suffering from, like, uh, severe anxiety and panic attacks and everything. And I've been using a, um, a plant from the South Pacific that um, the South Pacific people have been using for over 3,000 years. Um, and it's been really helping me. It's a calming um, herbal supplement. And I also sell it. So, and I'm, and, and I'm trying to start my own business with this. Um, I want to send you some samples, Charlemagne. To help with um, if you if you want to try it. Okay, let's trade. You say like listen, I love natural stuff like that. So you send you yeah, send me the plants. I'll send natural, you the books. All organic. <laughs> well, well, our and, producer um, will give you the uh, email, uh the address when you hang when you get off the phone. Okay, and um, you can follow me on Instagram. So I have a page. It's um, I sell kava actually. My dad has a kava farm in Tonga. It's um in the South Pacific, and um the Instagram is Gefu Kava. It's K E F U K A V A. Okay. Um, that's my Instagram. You guys follow me. I follow you guys. <laughs> and um, also, I have a website, gefugava.com, where you can order and buy gava from there. All right. I'm well, going to be honest you, with you. I don't know. I, I, I think I could be wrong, but I think you sell gava. Uh, yeah. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's up? It's Blake. Hey, what's up, man? Get it off your chest, bro. Oh, uh, man. First off, I want to just tell y'all I'm a fan. I appreciate everything y'all do. But, um, I was calling just to uh, shout my daughters out. In this time of quarantine, we've been, uh, uh, starting them a lip gloss line. So I just wanted to shout out their lip gloss line. Their name's, uh, Blair, Harmony, and Lyric. Okay. What's the name of the lip gloss line? Uh, their lip gloss line is called Musical Bliss. Musical Bliss. Oh, uh, yeah. Their okay. uh, Instagram is, uh, Musical Bliss 313. Are they artists? No, they, uh, they're two. One of them is two, the other is nine, the one is seven. So I just started okay. something for them uh, to do while we've been stuck in the house. Oh, that's nice. All right, brother. Have a good one. Today is you Bleak's will. birthday, too, man. Memphis Bleak. Today's Bleak's birthday. Happy birthday to Memphis Bleak. Right, Bleak is a birthday. sensitive cancer like I am. Let's drop one of clues bombs for Memphis Bleak. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and we didn't get to this story yesterday, but let's talk about Bubba Wallace. He's the only black driver in NASCAR's top series, and he found a noose in his team's garage. All right. Well, wow. All right, we'll get to that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Bubba Wallace. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, Bubba Wallace, who was the only black driver in NASCAR's top series, did confirm that on Sunday there was a noose found in his team's garage stall at Talladega Super Speedway, and now they are investigating. The noose was found by a member of Bubba Wallace's team, and it was just hours after somebody flew a Confederate flag over the track to protest NASCAR banning the Confederate flag at all events. So uh, they're trying to figure out who did this. Now NASCAR released a statement. We are angry and outraged and cannot state strongly enough how seriously we take this heinous act. Yeah, that is that is totally foul. I heard Jesse Smollett was, was trending yesterday because people were believing maybe he did it himself, but... That's crazy. You can't go to work without seeing that. They ban the flag. People still come outside your job with the flags and try to put it on their cars. It's just so disrespectful, man. 
Positive yeah, they were there, trying brother. to do all these like uh, truck drivers rolling past with the Confederate flag. It was like a protest parade with a lot of the people. There were people setting up camp across the street and they were I've also displaying the Confederate flag. That's how much that flag means to them. And there were some Trump flags alongside the con- Confederate flags as well. All right. In addition to that, uh, Bubba Wallace did finish 14th yesterday. Drivers did rally behind him. It was a very emotional scene. So listen to this. It's been tough. It's it's been it's been hell, really. I wouldn't say hell. It's just been hectic, you know, carrying his weight and carrying his burden. I wouldn't really say burden either. I'm proud to stand where I'm at and carry a new face. Look at this. First time right here from Atlanta. The sport is changing. Sorry, I'm not wearing my mask, but I wanted to show whoever it was that you're not going to take away my smile. And uh, I'm going to keep on going. The pre-race deal was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to witness in my life. From uh, all the supporters, from drivers, from crew members, uh, everybody here, uh, the badass fan base, thank you guys for coming out here. Yeah, definitely positive vibes for that brother, man. He's going through a lot, and I'm glad that they're rallying behind him. Yeah, uh, yeah, most people are. So, And I know that's a hurtful time and things to go through. So, you know, I'm glad that NASCAR is doing the right thing, though, at least. Right. All right, little baby, he's upset that Walmart has been selling fake gold chains with his logo on it, four pockets full of jewelry, and he's not happy at all. He called them out on Twitter. He said, Walmart got me effed up. Did y'all see these bootleg chains? I did see them. I mean, the, the good thing about it is that's his logo, so he could probably sue if, it, if it's, mm-hmm. you know, his and his trademark. But remember, we used to see that all the time. I never seen it at Walmart, but we always used to see it in the mall, whether it was cash money. I seen the Rockefeller stuff. I seen uh, Master P's ice cream truck. Uh, there's been a lot of jewelry in the mall, though. Yeah, Absolutely. We might have some of those chains, right? Nope, not me. $24.99. All right, Carl Crawford is being sued for $1 million by the mother of the child who drowned at his home. We told you about this drowning incident. It took place last month. It was a small gathering, and it was a five-year-old boy and an adult woman who died when the little boy fell into the pool. She actually dove in to try to uh, save the five-year-old, and they both later died at a nearby hospital. Now, the mom, LeBon Hersey, is saying that Carl Crawford is solely responsible for the incident. She says her five-year-old son who suffered from drowning wasn't properly protected and that his pool had no fencing, no alarm system. And so she's holding him responsible. She wants $1 million in her lawsuit against him. Yeah, you know, the, the fencing only secures if, if around the whole yard. But if you're out in a barbecue having a, you know, having a barbecue by the pool, the pool is usually open. I do know in Florida, which I thought was dope, they have these alarms that when you go outside to the pool, the alarm goes off like crazy, which I'm going to install in my house. But my kid's not a swim, but he has insurance. I'm sure his insurance will be able to take care of it. But, I, you know... It's a sad it's, situation all it's, around. It's definitely a sad situation. I, I don't know how do you claim whose fault it was, you know what I mean? Because when I'm out... I guess if about, it's on your property, I don't know. But isn't my kids my responsibility, though? Like, if I'm out at a pool party, I'm watching my kids to make sure my kids are safe. So I, I don't know who's you know, responsibility. Yeah, legally, I don't know how this works. Legally, I don't know if, you know, this happened on your property, just like if you slip and fall on someone's property or something happens to you, you can sue, right? Yeah, that's if you slip and fall. But if my child, you know, goes into the pool or jumps into the pool or falls into the pool, shouldn't as a parent you keep an eye on your kids to make sure you know where they're at at any given moment? I'm just asking. I I honestly don't know, and I would love to know. I yeah, I mean, who, I don't know. They might. She's saying that it was unsafe because there was no way for if you're at someone's house and a child could just fall into the pool. I don't know, but I guess we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee. That's your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, front page news. What are we talking about? Yes, we're we talking about Dak Prescott and his deal that he just signed with the Cowboys. 
All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, Dak Prescott has officially signed his 30, well, received his 31.4 million exclusive franchise tender for, from the Dallas Cowboys. They have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, one cannot be done until after this season. So the good news is I guess he'll be back for this season and he does want to stay. Is he worth the money? I haven't looked at I mean, I don't know what his deal is. I think I saw something yesterday that he signed a $31.5 million franchise tag for the Cowboys, but I don't know how long that is. I don't know if that's really... Right. I don't know what that is. I'm, how long it's not a long-term... Yeah, it's not a long-term deal. So they're saying that he will be one of the highest-paid players in the NFL. And then they said uh, next season that could increase by a mandatory 20% to $37.7 million with a flat or lower cap in 2021. So... They do okay. want to do a long-term deal before July 15th, but if they wait till after that, then you can't do it till after the season. Okay. Okay. Got it? I hope he gets all the money that he's worth. Why not? They're making fortune all off of him. All right, Absolutely. Rhode Island. Now, I didn't know about this, but they're saying Rhode Island might change its official state name because of slavery connotations. I didn't know Rhode Island's full name is the State of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. So right now they're going to change the name to just Rhode Island instead of all that. I never heard anybody call it that. Me neither. But makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, eight corrections officers at the Ramsey County, Minnesota jail where Derek Chauvin is being held in, in Minneapolis said they were briefly barred from the floor where he was being held the day that he was booked into the jail because they're black according to the discrimination charges that have been filed with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. So they said when Chauvin was charged with murder in the death of George Floyd, they were told to report to the third floor of the jail. Uh, They said that the facilities employees of color were all on that floor. They had all been segregated from the fifth floor, which is where Chauvin was to be held. So they said they believed that those actions were discriminatory because they openly singled out and segregated officers of color because of their skin color. Now, according to the jail official, what he's saying is that he said recognizing that the murder of George Floyd was likely to create particularly acute racialized trauma. I felt I had an immediate duty to protect and support employees who may have been traumatized and may have heightened ongoing trauma by having to deal with Chauvin out of care and concern. And without the comfort of time, I made the decision to limit exposure to employees of color to a murder suspect who could potentially aggravate those feelings. He said he reversed that decision within the hour. Mm. It doesn't ever happen the other way around, though, right? When they arrest somebody who's black, they're not like, okay, we're not going to have any white officers. I've never heard of that before. So I don't see why it should happen the other way. And why shouldn't they be able to do their job as police officers and handle the situation just because of the color of their skin? Absolutely. Yeah, if you're not if, if you're not gonna worry about potential prejudice or potential bias when it comes to uh, you know people that you arrested are black and white officers, then the same energy should be applied for the black officers as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, right if now those officers, officers are have, seeking compensation. <laughs> yeah, if the black officers have some prejudice and some bias towards uh, the the white cop Derek Chauvin, they should. Okay, they should feel that way. Y'all don't have no reason to be prejudiced and biased towards us, other than the color of our skin. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your front page news. Oh, all right. Thank well, listen, you, Missy. I want to I want to um, salute Kentucky too, man. They got primary elections today, uh, Senate mm-hmm. primary elections. We all know that less than few, less than uh, 
They have less than 200 polling places to vote because Mitch McConnell, the state senator, has repeatedly refused to vote on bills to improve access to the ballot. So, you know, everyone exercising their right to vote, be patient today, thug it out in Please. Kentucky. And, all, and always remember, if voting didn't matter, then, you know, why do they, why do they go so hard to make it difficult? For us to, to vote. Do it, so. Absolutely. We'll thug it out and thug it out in Kentucky today. Even though they cut the polling places from thirty seven hundred to two hundred and one polling place for the state's two biggest cities, Louisville and Lexington. Thug it out. Yeah, that line thug gonna be out. long, but like you said, thug it out, man. Please, if you can bring extra water, please thug it out. All right. When we come back, comedian John Stewart will be joining us. Of course, he has a a new movie coming out called Irresistible. And we'll talk yes, to him it's about a very that. Very good film. And I'm glad I watched it before I saw the reviews for it. Because I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll kick it with him when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line right now or on the Zoom. We have John Stewart. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks How's for it having going? me. What's happening? Hey, thank you for coming, man. First of all, I want to... I, I I really enjoyed Irresistible, man. Really enjoyed. Oh, thank you. Now break down what how, Irresistible how is, that, is about. How it's about a a young boy who's left alone uh, over Christmas by his family. <laughs> uh, they go to... Thank you, John. That, that would be Home Alone. <laughs> that, that would be Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> it's a movie about the current political system and the gravitational pull that it exerts and how far away it's drifted from the problems and the facts on the ground of the real people that it's purporting to serve. And hopefully yes. it's funny and, uh, uh, and people have a good time watching. Absolutely. You know, right out of the gate, not to give too much away, but, you know, these political strategists, they admit they're lying to us, yet the American public still listens. Why? I think ultimately what they've learned is noise is an effective strategy to blunt any change of the status quo. Mm. And one of the best kind of noisemakers is to flood the zone with non-fact and lies and spin to make it much more difficult for people to be able to discern what's real and what's not. Because here's the other thing, we're busy and they count on that. It's sort of like, you ever look at your credit card statement and they send you that pamphlet that explains to you like the rules? Mm -hmm. You cannot figure out what it is they're trying to tell you about your credit card rate, and it's done on purpose. They don't want you to know the ins and outs. They don't because that means you'll hold them accountable. You know, there's a scene in the movie when, uh, I'm not going to give it away, but Colonel Jack is basically saying that money is the problem in, in regards to politics. How, how can mm -hmm. that system ever be dismantled? So I, I think... That's what we've tried. You know, there was McCain-Feingold and campaigns, uh, campaign finance reform. But I think it's always nibbling at maybe the edge of it, you know? Because when you have money in a system, I think we all know that system is going to protect itself. Systems don't generally dismantle their own profit. So what happens is elections now become permanent. And so you've got billions and billions of dollars flowing into this thing. And everybody in that system is getting a taste. Mm -hmm. they not the other day. Joe Biden raised $80 million. Mm -hmm. I think Trump raised $78 million in a month. And that's yeah. not even the half of the kind of money that's flowing through this thing. And by the way, that's the least of the money. The real money 
is the dark money that's flowing in from corporations and billionaires to influence that system. Right. Also in the movie, you show how, how Democrats don't know how to talk to regular everyday people. Why can't Democrats get their messaging right? So the Republican Party has an advantage in that they're more homogenous. They're just talking to one group. The Democrat, uh, Democratic Party is really a coalition of interests, and you'll see it no matter where you go. You've got people, you've got DACA standing next to BLM, standing next to Free Palestine, standing next to p***y hats, standing next to five guys going legalized pot. Like, it's a mishmash. Mm -hmm. And so there is no real singular common language for the Democratic Party to speak to each other. And certainly not to reach across and speak to, you know, a, a Republican Party that's become really entrenched in that identity. Yeah, Republicans will go for their candidate no matter what, whether they agree with them, disagree with them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Democrats, we do such a great job of being really divided amongst each other that we kind of like tear each other down so much that by the time it's time for an election, and we've seen that happen, obviously, with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. with the Republicans, whoever their candidate is, it doesn't matter. They are behind them 100%. And they'll switch what they think depending on what their leader tells them there's no there's no principle behind it anymore if you look at the criticisms that were leveled at barack obama by the republicans for eight years well donald trump by almost every metric has performed worse according to their own criticism so what they do is they change the metric so what they told you they believed in eight years ago they've shown you they don't believe in now well what do you anticipate happening in november Man, I, I, you know, I don't play a lot. <laughs> uh, I would say the focus for the left should simply be protecting the vote. We can, you're going to see four voting booths for 800,000 people. Like, protect the ability to vote. They couldn't do they couldn't do that in 2016 though. Like they can't get an election security bill passed because of Mitch McConnell. We know it's voter right. suppression, not to mention voter depression just because people aren't enthused by Joe Biden. It's like it's right. going to be bad. The hardest thing for someone like in your position to do is maintain your optimism and enthusiasm because they're trying to wear you down. You guys are are drivers of enthusiasm and interest keep deconstructing the nonsense what the problem i have sometimes with democrats is they'll say we need the largest voter turnout in u.s history to win this november but we can't tell people all the things they are up against because they may not come out in november and in the movie colonel jack has a lie where he says you can't win a battle if you're not honest about what you're up against if dems told the american people the truth we may be energized to come out in November. Let people know, yes, there's Russian interference. Yes, there's voter suppression. Yes, there's voter depression. People, are, they're going to try to steal this election from you, but we need y'all to come out in droves in order to beat that. Tell the truth. Com- completely agree. And part of what I was trying to show in the movie is that, again, there's rot in the infrastructure of those systems. You'll see, here's what's going to happen. You're going to see Joe Biden have to go out and talk to YouTube influencers. And he's going to do it without wearing a tie because, you know, young people, if you're wearing a tie, they don't yeah. know what to you know, <laughs> You already started seeing that already. It's mm-hmm. the one thing, what I really, you know, for Joe Biden, look, Biden wasn't my guy, perfectly honest. I was much more in the Biden-Warren camp, uh, Sanders-Warren camp. But he's my guy now. 
because I do think it's not just about anybody but Trump. In this moment, we are a nation in anguish and anger and fear. And here's my hope about Biden. This is a man who knows loss. Mm. He has suffered. His wife, a young child, his son. My hope is that loss has humbled him to the idea of what it feels like to be an anguished people. I feel like we need a leader in this moment of humility who is looking to understand their own ignorance and blind spots and do better and be humble enough to know what they don't know and to be humbled enough by grief to know the pain that people carry with them every day. All right, we got more with John Stewart. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with John Stewart. Charlemagne? Listen, you told Rolling Stone magazine that you believe the issue with uh, situations like George Floyd's death is that we're addressing the wrong problem. Is that what you mean? Is that we should be addressing white supremacy and systemic racism? Is that, is that what you meant? We should be addressing equity. Okay. In the Great Depression, we formed the Federal Housing Administration, and it specifically wrote into federal guidelines for housing that black people couldn't get loans to buy their houses. The wealth of this country has been built on equity. And then there was redlining, and then there were zoning changes. This is not happenstance. And you can't build a ghetto and then suddenly decide, okay, that's not here anymore, but we are going to police the edge of it, and we're never going to tear it down. Because when you quarantine people, you cut off the economic tributaries that exist to feed that area. That's right. What you have to do to face this, and maybe this plays into what reparations could be, which is call it Project Equity, a Marshall Plan to build black ownership because you can't negotiate equality from a subservient position. So our generational challenge is to help build black equity. I just want to hear from, from you guys what, what you think are the remedies beyond police and things like no, that. No, the only way America can atone for its original sin, which is slavery, is through legislation and most importantly reparations. So I totally agree with you. There has to be some type of economic equity package that is, you know, presented to the black community. Like it's real it's really just that simple. Yeah, I think education is really important, making sure for our, our kids that they have something to do when they're not in school, but making sure that it's equal. Like, just some people don't want to send their kids to school in certain districts, and the school system is not good there. They don't have the right books, the right tools, the right teachers even. We have to make sure that we fix up neighborhoods that people live in and that they have access to things that people in other neighborhoods have access to. If there is a domestic dispute that I agree that police shouldn't be called into a situation like that. I do think that's something that a mediator or someone that is uh, specialized to deal with something like that. And I know we've said that also about people who suffer from mental health issues, addiction issues, things like that. I think certain cases we don't need somebody with a gun to show up that may not necessarily know how to de-escalate or, or handle that situation. So I think there's a lot of things that are necessary and there's a lot of things that we need in order for us to start achieving some of that some of that equity, like you said. I think what she said is is the most important is knowledge, right? Uh, you look at 
for myself. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. The first person in my family to be an entrepreneur. Not because my parents didn't, it's because they didn't know how to. You know, we're trying to get equality and most white people have equity. You know, we're just trying to figure out how to get equity. You know, we still have to face the fact that the banks won't lend us money. We still have to face the fact that, you know, they push us out of our communities, buy our communities, then put our communities back together and then charge us three times the rent. John, America still has to give us what they owe. Call your white friends and tell them that reparations is owed to the black community. And how would you <laughs> like to see that? How would you like to see that? Uh, who do we make the check out to, first of all? And uh, mm -hmm. how, how would you like to see that done? Because that's really, so here's part of the issue, right? We're still in a position that you've got to sell that to the white community. So you've got two problems. One, the large portion of white people who think black people are responsible for that, that it's that, that poverty and crime is of poor virtue and culture. By the way, wouldn't talk about white poverty that way. If you listen mm -hmm. to them talk about the Rust Belt poverty, the factory workers, well, those, they're, they're victims of circumstance. Black people, come on, suck it up. So that's one perception that has to be changed. The second is resource guarding. So another large portion might think, well, my life's not that easy, and why do I always have to give up my resources to go to people when I didn't do anything wrong? So how do we bridge that gap? And I, I think the answer is, look, we're stuck in this trickle-down theory of economics where $1.5 billion tax cuts go to people at the top, and we've tried it right. since the 80s, and it doesn't work. The job generationally of, of, for us is a Marshall Plan at that scale of building infrastructure, of creating, you will change Welfare and food stamps by bringing money back to the dignity of work, taking it away from the investor class. The pendulum has swung too far. And I think that black people have to be in charge of their rebuilding effort. It can't be yes. the white people in the government right. step out and say, okay, here, we're going to give you an opportunity zone. This isn't about an opportunity zone. This is about black people building equity for themselves and for each other and, and being funded by an infrastructure investment. And you could take hundreds of billions of dollars in, in, in funding and technical support and turn around, you know, a hundred of the country's most disadvantaged communities. Like you can focus on, you know, disparities in early childhood schools, higher education, skills and training, employment, health and environmental conditions. Like you could literally turn the hood around tomorrow. And ownership. And then what I would say is to make sure that in those infrastructure investments that middle class white people are also reassured that these reparations aren't being taken from you, that it's an investment in rising up uh, uh, and creating a much stronger middle class throughout the country, but also making sure that, that they're reassured that resources will also be available for them. It seems so crazy when, when there's problems, right? And they say, okay, well, we're gonna cut a trillion dollar check to bring the economy back. And then we look at all our communities and say, damn, you could have cut these checks for our communities years ago if it was that easy to make the money. That's right. And that's, what, $3 trillion, $4 trillion in this pandemic, and we don't even know where it went. Right. Mm -hmm. They won't even exactly. tell us. <laughs> you know what else you could do? You can, you can, you can increase access to capital, um, both debt and equity, right. by supporting black-owned banks. You know, because those black-owned banks are going to make sure that, you know, people get money for entrepreneurs or uh, so, homeowners, education, whatever it is. homeowners, yeah, all that. Mm -hmm.
And I definitely feel oh, like yeah. the marijuana business has to come back into the community since so many people were sent to jail for marijuana convictions and lost so much. I think all the money they're, they're making from marijuana and they're going to make a percentage of that has to go towards these programs as well. And that's another great point, Andrew, because, look, man, I truly believe if I were black, I'd be in jail. Because when I was growing up, I pulled some shit. But it was, I was given a pass. It was drugs and alcohol and, and shenanigans, vandalism. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to tell me that black kids in this country do more drugs than white kids, nope. Bullshit. But white kids don't go to jail for it. Right. Because it's just a part of being a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So we've criminalized being a teenager. So let's say we did do something like that. Play it out. Who runs it? Somebody like Obama? Somebody like, like, you need a point person of mm -hmm. great Robert Smith. integrity. Yeah? Robert Smith. Richest African American in, 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 in America. Why not start making this a concrete proposition and, and start putting names and numbers and things to it? Right. And, and rea realize it in a way that we haven't been able to do before. All right, we got more with John Stewart. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with John Stewart. Charlemagne? You know, that's interesting that you say that because, I mean, you got legislation passed and you got people paid with the 9-11 the nine, the nine bill for, for first responders. How, how difficult was that? Incredibly difficult. And the strangest thing was it was most difficult to convince those that supposedly represent patriotism in this country the most. It was Republican leaders who never fail on 9-11 to tweet out, don't forget our heroes. But when you'd go to their office and go, hey, man, I'm here with the heroes. And three of them have stage four cancer. And this guy's on an oxygen machine. So what about that? That's a New York problem. Mm. Well, you can't really prove that it came from that. So... The government is set up to deny, to continue the status quo so that the money flows to the people that they believe help entrench them in their positions. And that's where it has to change. What it's going to take is tremendous will, but almost more importantly, tremendous stamina. It also takes, you know, white men like you who have privilege and power to admit that white supremacy exists, to admit that systemic racism exists. I do feel like what's hard about that for people is you get defensive. Nobody likes to be called on their especially when they feel like it's not really their Look, when I started on The Daily Show, right, pretty much an all-white staff, mostly male, and people would call me out on various about it, and I would get defensive until I had to stop and think about it. You know, there was an article written... There weren't enough women writers, and I was sexist. And I was like, sexist? I was raised by a single mother. My mother wore a T-shirt that said, uh, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And I'm a man. I, I grew up in a house <laughs> where I knew I wasn't. <laughs> and I remember going back into the writer's room and saying, you believe this shit? Kevin, Steve, Mike, Bob, Donald? <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Right. Uh-oh. Now, we had had a policy that all submissions, there'd be no names on it, right? Because we thought that's the way to not be sexist or racist or that. But we still kept just hiring white dudes. And what we realized is the river that we were getting the material from, the tributary, was also polluted by the same inertia. Mm -hmm. And you had to say to them, send me women. 
send me black people. And all of a sudden, women got funny. But they've been funny all along. We had a writer of color. He and I got an argument. I did a bit uh, about uh, Herman Cain, where I adopted Herman Cain's accent, right? And to me, it was just his accent. But to that writer, is a racist bit. And he called me out in a meeting with everybody around, and I got defensive and got mad. And it took me a long time to realize that the real issue was that we hired a person who is black and that because then they felt like they're carrying the weight of representation. That's right. So they suddenly feel like I've got to be the speaker of a race. And that puts a pressure on them that, so we think we're doing the right thing, but we're not doing it in the right way. And those were hard lessons for me. And they were humbling lessons. Here's another one, socioeconomic. The television business, the radio business, it's run by rich Ads. people from Westchester and Long Island, right? Because the internships weren't paid. So interns would come in, and if you're going to hire somebody, where are you going to hire them from? The people you've met already, the interns. Right. The only people who could do internships had parents that were rich enough that could allow those kids to take a little time off of college, live in New York City, and do that job. So the whole thing is seeded with inertia. And mm -hmm. I, I don't consider myself malevolent, but my ignorance of that dynamic had real consequences. Mm. But you were willing and to so learn. I, I honestly think that most people are willing to learn it's, it's getting over the defensiveness to realize you're not being called a racist or being a thing, like, or maybe you are, or, or, or not giving so much of a shit that somebody might call you that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And be willing to say, like, uh, we all have blind spots and we still have blind spots. I know I do. But for us to dismantle the entrenched tributaries that continue to contribute to inequality of outcome of equity, it takes effort. Yeah, it's all got to be intentional. Men got to be intentional when it comes to women. White people got to be intentional when it comes to black people. Straight people got to be intentional when it comes to gay people. We got to be intentional about it. I think that's the perfect encapsulation of it. I got a couple more questions about The Daily Show. You, I saw you said you regret The Daily Show's involvement in the evascoration expectation. Evisceration, I'm sorry, so, evisceration. Sometimes we'd have someone on, like, a, like Jim Cramer or something like that. It, it's what, what they would call good television. So that blows up on the, on the Internet or whatever. I don't regret that moment, but what I regret is sometimes you get in the mindset of creating those moments, those moments that weren't authentic. Yeah, it's like you're it's like you're uh you're, you're, you're people pleasing too much. Like instead of going in there and doing what's natural, you want to do what you just saw work. So you want to do that's that right. again. Yeah, that happens. That happens right. in radio too. And then the second thing I think that's important to do, and this is the hardest one, is forgive yourself. Right. Forgiving yourself is the key to getting over your own defensiveness and and imperfections. Like I I had to learn to forgive myself for being wrong in situations and that hurting people and, I, and not wanting that. But we have to be able to start having the honest conversations because it's like everything else. You don't fix something if you don't get to what's really the cancer at the bottom of it. Right. For right. a period of time, people thought you were going to come back. Are you enjoying this behind the scenes more, though? Love it. <laughs> you know, look at this face. This face was young, man. I'm <laughs> aging like a... 
guacamole. A president. <laughs> you aging like a president. You aging like a president of America. I feel like I took that conversation as far as I could take it for my own thing, and that show deserved, and that audience deserved somebody who was going to bring a different perspective and an enthusiasm and an insight that I can't bring. And I think we've seen that play out. You know, to me, diversity is still technology. You know what I mean? It's like an old person when they get a smartphone. It's new. And I can work it, mm -hmm. but it's not. My kids, when they get on the phone, it just is. Trevor in this moment just is. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I still have to work. And I don't say that in the way of, like, white guilt. I don't mean it like that. I mean I didn't see the whole field. And by not seeing the whole field well enough, I wasn't able to make the kinds of changes that I should have made at the speed and depth I should have made them. Wow. Listen, we're always not going to get it right, you know, and that's what therapy is for. That's exactly what it's for. All right, we, but we appreciate you. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, but, appreciate but, you. But you do have to tell us why the title is irresistible. Why is that relevant to the plot of the film? Because sometimes you can trap somebody with bait, with lure that you know would be irresistible to them. Mm -hmm. That Ooh. when you see how somebody views the world through that prism of conflict and left versus right and rural versus city, you can lay out something for them, bait, that you know they're going to take. We will take the bait every time. <laughs> yep. Holy uh, something just hit me. Did that goddamn pastry represent that in the movie? Boom! <laughs> oh, okay. All As right. you're watching it. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got it's you. Got you. Like I'm got getting you. fat, That's but you. I love it. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. And even when he, now nah, I'm not gonna give it away. Brilliant movie, John Stewart. Brilliant movie, man. Well, Brilliant. thank you for Brilliant. calling in and checking in, and and you know, stay up with us sometimes. You know. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for the conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank we you so much. Appreciate it. All right. It's John Stewart. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Eminem. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo. Rumor report. Rumor report. This is the Rumor Report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Yes, so an old version of a song, Conway the Machine's Bang, from 2019 has leaked out, and it has Eminem's original feature, and he's going in on Revolt and Joe Button. He does shout out Puffy Combs. Listen to this. Shout the Puffy Combs, but fuck Revolt. Y'all are like a fuck up remote. Now I get it why buttons broke. Cause you press them, but he don't do nothing, no. Especially when it comes to punches thrown. You mucks are gonna keep pointing smoke. So the premise roll, take another boss that is flipping in hell. Cause all you're gonna get is an L. And smoke like I'm gonna approach. So we don't got nothing in common, not even a week of cold. A nasal issue if it comes to blows. Wasted tissue, tell this journalist, stick to the stuffy nose. Like always running from me, those. All right, well, it's no secret okay. that Eminem is not a big fan of Joe Button. Yeah, but why Revolt catches tree? Why you have to say I think because State like, of the F Culture is on Revolt. Well, say, 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 say F State of the Culture. You can't say <laughs> F a black-owned whole yes. TV network just because you're mad at time. one personality. It's a bad you know, time. People to... saying F. 
People don't say F Power 105 or F The Breakfast Club. They might say F, F Charlemagne as an individual. No, they do say F The Breakfast you know? Club. They, they yeah, they do. do. That's because yeah, y'all be doing. Do. But that's because y'all be y'all be y'all be owning y'all own smoke though. Y'all y'all garner y'all own smoke sometimes. <laughs> okay. We'll yeah, just say about things that we had nothing. Like if I'm not even here for a day, they'll be like F The Breakfast Club. I'm like I wasn't even there. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. He gave it to the whole network because <laughs> he that doesn't like Joe Button that much. That, mean, that means F Remy Ma, F The Breakfast Club, F Ebony K. Williams, F Nori and Drink Champs, <laughs> F Diddy. Is a, so F Revolt is a staff, record label, and mother effing crew. And you got to think, you yeah, think about so. those things. <laughs> Why does he let Button get under his skin like that so much, though? Um, I guess probably I mean, because it's, it's an old record. he was signed. Yeah, yeah it's old. But yeah. I think it's, you know, because of what Joe Button said about him. And he probably feels like, I thought we was cool. I, you know, you were signed to the label. And he probably feels like he was betrayed. <laughs> All right, Little Yachty crashed his Ferrari on a freeway in Atlanta after hydroplaning. How scary is that? So they said, it, uh, fortunately, he was able to walk away with just minor injuries to his arm, and that's it. So that's the most important thing. Uh, we're not sure what's going to happen with that Ferrari, but they're saying it's totaled. Yeah, it's total. It's a 488 Spider Ferrari. It's about, I would say, new about $330,000, but he has his life. That's the only thing that matters. He has his life. He, he walked away alive. Thank God. That's right. All right. All right. Jimmy Kimmel has announced that he is going on vacation. And that is after a lot of controversy has been happening, like this blackface sketch that resurfaced where he's playing Carl Malone on Comedy Central's The Man Show. Listen to this. Sometime at night, Carl Malone look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? Do UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T.? Come along, read on TV about white people getting deducted by aliens, sticking all kind of hell up their and that's a damn thing. Now, in addition to that, they've been circulating this clip of an interview that he did back in 2009 with Megan Fox, where she was recalling an experience with director Michael Bay from when she was a teenager, and she was working as an extra on Bad Boys 2. She said she was only 15 years old, and here's what happened. I had just turned 15, and I was an extra in Bad Boys 2. Really? And Yeah, they were shooting this club scene, and they brought me in, and uh, I was wearing a Stars and Stripes bikini and a red cowboy hat and, like, six-inch heels. And he approved it, and they said, you know, Michael, <laughs> she's 15, so you can't sit her at the bar, and she can't have a drink in her hand. So his solution to that was to then have me dancing underneath a waterfall getting soaking wet. That's sort of a microcosm of how Bay's mind works. It, it, yeah, well, yeah, well, that's really a microcosm of how all our minds work, but uh, some, <laughs> some of us have the decency to repress those right. thoughts and pretend that they don't exist. Right. Yeah, Jimmy, that shouldn't have been a we. That should have been a uh, some men's thoughts. But if you felt that way, you know, he said it. Mm -hmm. Honest. Dead wrong, but honest. But we, we really need to have a broader discussion about all of this because everybody has the right to be offended. Everybody has the right to be upset. But I have an issue with uh, retroactive outrage, retroactive punishments for things that were already public. Because if it was public... That means it was appropriate at the time. The context of time matters because the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s was a wild-ass, filthy-ass time. If you sit at home and watch some of those old movies, TV shows, listen to old music, you will absolutely say, how the hell did we get away with some of this stuff? And if you didn't grow up in that era, and, 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 and when you look back and, and take in some of that content, yeah, you're probably going to be appalled. I'm sure you will be, but it was a different world back then. When I say we are in a whole new world from where we were as far as censorship and pushing things to the edge, we are in a whole 
New World. And, I think people I think want Jimmy wanted... Kimmel to just address it, though. Like, Jimmy Fallon addressed his blackface sketch that he did of Chris Rock and said he made a terrible decision, and he was sorry for making that offensive decision at the time, and he said, thank you, all of you, for holding me accountable. So The only problem, yeah, I think yeah, I mean, problem with that is, is, you know, these people are, are, were hurt by it, and even though that, that they were hurt by it back then, maybe they didn't get the, the apology that they wanted back then. So now that it comes back out, now they could be getting the apology that they needed back then. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay to acknowledge past offensive stuff. behavior. Yo, some of these people probably weren't even born back then. And, I, and, I, and if you're going to, I also think if they're going to do those retroactive punishments, you got to punish everyone involved, not just the individual. You got to punish the producers, the writers, the, the standards and practices, anybody that greenlit those things. But I don't think it should be punishments. It should be a conversation about content conversation, right. and how mm -hmm. culture shifted. And yes, you're right. He should acknowledge that that was wrong, mm -hmm. right? And how that shouldn't that shouldn't continue moving forward. But we need to have a conversation about context and how culture shifted. Because, boy, when they start digging into the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, it's going to be a lot of apologies. Well, I don't think Jimmy Kimmel's not being punished. He's taking a break from the show. And here's what he had to say about taking a break. Tonight is my last new show for the summer. I'm taking the summer off to spend even more time with my family. I've been doing this job for almost 18 years. I've done 3,130 shows, and there's nothing wrong. My family is healthy. I'm healthy. I just need a couple of months off. Right, so he's decided to take a break just to be with family. He said he needs a couple of months off, and all these things have been surfacing, so that's what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like he's I, got punished or lost his job. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I still think it needs to be a broader conversation, not, not just with Kimmel, but just the whole context of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It was all to it was a totally different world because you see what happened to Jimmy Fallon. You see what happened to Howard Stern. You see what happens to, you know, well, we haven't seen it happen in hip-hop yet as far as, like, the content of that music. But, I mean, even if you think about the movies, the TV shows, like, it's just we should have a context about how culture has shifted. But you know what? The thing is, That's when it does affect have. people, like Megan Fox was trending yesterday, right? And if you know the full story of what happened to her, she basically kind of got blackballed from the business because Michael Bay was saying that she's terrible to work with. Uh, he called her an unfriendly bitch. He said she's a porn star. He called her Miss Sour Pats, dumb as a rock. And he said, uh, when facing the press, Megan is the queen of talking trailer trash and posing like a porn star. And yes, we've had the unbearable time of watching her try to act on set. And yes, it's very cringeable. So maybe being a porn star in the future might be a good career option. But makeup, beware. She has a paragraph tattooed to her backside, probably due to her rotten childhood. Easily another 45 minutes in the chair. So that was a letter that Michael Bay actually wrote, an open letter. And so I think when things like that can affect people's career later on in the future, because... Megan Fox is traumatized by certain things that happened to her. And she even said it on her own social media post, you know, that there are people that she feels like need to be held accountable. Yeah, I don't know what you, I, I, I'm talking about content. But anyway, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. <laughs> it was All a right. public letter that he wrote about Megan yeah, Fox. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking, I'm just, yeah, but I'm just talking about content. And I wasn't talking about Megan Fox. I was talking about the content that people put out. All right. Well, who are you giving your donkey to, bro? Uh, for after the hour, uh, we need to have a conversation about, you know, this disease on this planet that has just caused nothing but havoc on this planet since day one, and that is old white men. We'll discuss for after the hour. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. I was born a donkey. It's the donkey of the day. <laughs> Jackass, 
Donkey of the Day for Tuesday, June 23rd goes to a Laney College professor in Oakland named Matthew Hubbard. Matthew, I don't know you, but you made this weird. Okay, you made this awkward. I would think that when you are a teacher, professor, your job is to make kids comfortable. I don't care if it's college or grade school. Kids have insecurities. Everyone is trying to do their best, and you should encourage that. Okay, but instead, you are the adult who wants to make things awkward. Okay, for kids and magnify whatever inner issues these young adults may have. Now, Laney College uh, has put Matthew Hubbard on leave because he asked the kid to change their name. In fact, he told the student anglicize their name. Uh, that means to make your name English. And the reason Matthew told this student to change their name is because Matthew said it sounded like an insult in English. In fact, on the second day of class, Matthew sent an email to the student asking her verbatim to anglicize her name because it sounds like an insult in English. Oh, the caucasity. Well, the student told CNN she was shocked and felt disrespected by the email, as she should have been, and that the professor had never seen her before or asked her how to pronounce her name. The student replied back and told Matthew his request felt discriminatory and warned him she would file a complaint if he did not refer to her by her birth name. He responded by saying her name in English sounds like an insult. And then Matthew replied, if I lived in Vietnam and my name in your language sounded like Eda Dick Gregory, I would change it to avoid embarrassment. He also then repeated his request for her to change her name in his reply. Now, Laney College President Tamil Gilkerson said in a statement on Thursday that the college was aware of the allegations of racist and xenophobic messages from a faculty member at our college with a student about the pronunciation of their name. We take these allegations seriously and immediately place the faculty member on administrative leave pending an investigation. Uh, Matthew Hubbard told the New York Times the first email was a mistake. And I made it thinking about another student willing to anglicize, but it is a big difference with someone doing it voluntarily and asking and asking someone to do it. The second email is very offensive. And if I had waited eight hours, I would have written something very different. This is exactly why historically we call old white men the devil. OK, this is why nobody likes old white men. OK, guys like this give every old white man a bad name. This is a classic case of whiteness. OK, old white men can't help but to be racist because when you are old white male, you have always benefited from the power that comes with privilege. OK, the patriarchy is in your blood. OK, it's in your blood to get a a a. a, a a marginalized person to change their name because Matthew, your ancestors were slave masters. And a slave name is the personal name given by others to an enslaved person or a name inherited from enslaved ancestors. So you just couldn't help yourself. You wanted this young woman to change her name because you thought it sounded like an insult. Who the hell are you, white man? Okay, go trim your ear hairs and leave people the hell alone. Now I know you're wondering, what is this young woman's name? Okay? What 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 about this young woman's name did this old white man find so insulting? I would like to know myself. So let's go to ABC 7 for the report, please.
The Asian American Laney College freshman who was told by her professor via email to change her name to sound more anglicized. Math professor Matthew Hubbard says in emails to the student Phuc Bui Dian Win that her name sounded like the F word and asked her to change it. Now, when she declined citing discrimination, he refused to use her given name. Hubbard declined multiple requests for an interview, but tweeted an apology to Win, whose family confirms he sent an email to her as well. Hubbard has been placed on administrative leave and Laney College is investigating. I don't hear it. What, what's insulting about her name? Drum, isolate her name for me. I need, I need to know what I'm missing because I, I don't hear it. Play it. Phuc Bui Dian Win. No, I just, I, I don't get it. Play it, play it again. Phuc Bui Dian Win. Nope. Matthew Hubbard is just being a racist xenophobe who needs to mind his business and ignore what his ancestors are telling him to do. Uh, put her name in HD so I can hear it. Maybe I'm missing something because I don't hear it. Phuc Bui Dian Win. No, I, I don't get it. But I do know that this student uh, released a great statement. She said she felt empowered not to change her name at his insistence. She said she decided to fully embrace it and let everyone know that they should be proud of their name. She is a proud Phuc boy. OK, and I salute her. All right. She says through this incident, she has been able to raise awareness of what's happening and has helped others be uh, proud of their culture. OK, and identity. Drop one of clues bombs for Fook boys everywhere. Damn it. OK. She's also still waiting on a sincere and professional apology from uh, Mr. Hubbard. Well, one thing you will learn in life, Fook boy, is that the white man never gives those. OK, we still waiting on a my bad about slavery. So uh, get in line. In the meantime, please let Kathy Griffin give Matthew Hubbard the credit he deserves for being stupid. Please give this giant jar of mayo the biggest hee-haw. White people are crazy. Mm -hmm. My God. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, up next, John Legend will be joining us. We'll kick it with John Legend when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. JNV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line right now. Just had a, a great Father's Day, uh, I, I should say, a Father's Day Sunday. John Legend, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Well, how was good your morning. Father's Day? Let's start off with that. How was your Father's Day? How was that? Father's Day was good. Chrissy surprised me. She um, had a catered dinner in the backyard just for me, and she uh, treated me like a king for Father's nice. Day. It was nice. What is it like to release an album in this time, in, in these days? Well, it's different. You know, we used to being out, like, we used to going out to do promotion. So everything's different, but we, we're making it work. Mm -hmm. Can you put out music that doesn't, that isn't a soundtrack for what's going on right now, though? Yeah, you know, I thought about that because I was writing it before all this stuff happened. I wrote it in, mostly in 2019. I wrote a few joints, like, in January and February of this year. And then I was done writing and I felt like I had a dope album by, you know, beginning of March. And then as soon as March comes around, everybody's on lockdown and the whole world changed. Um, so the question is, do you scrap all of that and try to make something that's right in this moment? Or do you give people what you made, you know, which is what I made. It was an album that's more loving and joyful and hopeful. I think it was great marketing to actually do the verses on the same day that the album came out. It makes perfect yeah, sense I because mean, that makes yeah. I mean, it's been clear that every every verses has been good for the artists. You know, just to you know, a lot of the artists you know haven't been making uh, 
a lot of new music, so it brought them back to people's attention. Me and Alicia, we're kind of different because we're still making music these days and still making releases and all this stuff. But uh, most of my verses, I spent, you know, educating people on what I had done in the past, you know, mm-hmm. many years ago. Um, some of the stuff I played was from 1999, 2003. Uh, you know, just letting people know that I was behind the scenes doing my thing even before you first heard Get Lifted. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that you was on Everything Is Everything. Yeah, that was the first record I, I ever played either. on. How did Lauren That's find you? Who was you? Who? Was, I, 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 how did that come about? So there was a girl named Tara Michelle. I was directing this church choir while I was in college. So part of the way I paid for like my expenses in school was I was uh, the director of music at this church, and one of the uh, uh, choir members was uh, a girl who had gone to school with Lauren Hill. And she was like, I'm about to go to the studio. Uh, she's working on her solo album. Do you want to um, come to the studio with me? And so I went to the studio with her and uh, just chilling, literally not trying to get in the way. You know, she was like, John, why don't you play a couple songs for her? Because uh, I want her to hear, you know, what you can do. And so uh, I played one of my own songs, a song called Too Late. And then I played uh, a Stevie Wonder song. And then she's like, why don't, Lauren was like, why don't you play on this record we're working on now? So I played piano on the record, and that was the first major uh, recording I was a part of. Wow. Did you do it for free? I got $500, and <laughs> my name is in the credit. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a classic album. Exactly. I was, I was, I was very happy with, with that. <laughs> That's all I needed. Now, let's talk about the versus battle a little bit, because obviously you and Alicia Keys have worked together. You guys are friends. So how did y'all even decide? Because I know you both have been talking about it for quite some time, and we kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. So what solidified that? Well, I I was doing radio for my new music, and I think I was talking to Nick uh, Cannon, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, who would you um, who would you do a versus with? And I was like, I feel like the one that would make the most sense would be Alicia Keys. And I said, in fact, I think we should play it live. You know, I was like, you know, do some of the songs on the piano, piano to piano. And um, Swizz and Alicia saw it. And and uh, Swizz hit me up. He called me and then we talked about it. And and that was it. I was like, my bad for calling your wife out in public. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it would be good, so let's let's do it. And uh, everybody was into it. And we knew from the beginning that it was all love because we really respect each other, and uh, we just wanted it to be a celebration. What did y'all who say about Teddy one, Riley's Wi-Fi? Who, who, what did you say about Teddy Riley's Wi-Fi? You said something, because Teddy Riley was like, John Legend is all jokes. What did you say about <laughs> Teddy Riley's Wi-Fi? Y'all gonna leave Teddy Riley alone, man. <laughs> I, just, I just, when I had a technical moment, because the track wasn't playing properly, I was like, oh, I don't want to do a Teddy Riley here. I was just playing with him. You know, I love Teddy. And uh, <laughs> he, had a, he, had a, he had a rough time getting it together sometimes for the for the versus battle. But um, I think Swizz and everybody have worked it out. So everybody, you know, everybody's technical aspects are a little more on point now. And they, they had it set up so there were no major problems. Gotcha. Now, I know it was all love, but who won? Who do you think won? Because I'm not going to lie. I picked Alicia to wash you. I picked Alicia, not because you're not super talented, John, but just Alicia got a lot of records. Alicia has a lot of records. I I think she has more solo hits than I have, but I think what I was able to show people was I was doing records that they didn't even know I was a part of, 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the cool thing about Versus is, is you can show people mm-hmm. the behind-the-scenes work you did as well. And so I think, you know, people are going to judge what they're going to judge. And so you let the people decide. But I thought it was fairly even, and I loved our collaborations. I just thought it was a good night for music. It was. It was dope night for music. Looking back, are there some songs you're like, man, I missed this one, or I should have played this one also? Not really, honestly. I felt like I played the right song. There's like one or two that were on the bubble for me that I could have played one or the other, but it, I didn't feel like it would have made a big difference. I felt like the I, I picked the right joint. Listen, John, uh, let's talk about the new album. You got Bigger Love. What does that phrase mean to you? It's uh, Well, the album is joyful. It's full of love and, and songs about, you know, um, resilience and hope and just making it work through all the challenges. I was going to ask you with Chrissy. I, I see y'all play a lot. Does it ever go too far? I'll be like, babe, you going too far? You call me, you call me that name, and enough is enough. You can't be calling me names like that. Does she it call, ever go that far? She calls you a she calls she calls you a bitch a lot, John. Sheesh. She does not call me a bitch a lot. I, I do recall <laughs> what you're talking about when when she was uh, when she was mad about the song uh, lyric, and she she said uh, bitch to me, and uh, come on now. <laughs> come on now. You can't say it to her though. Let's be clear. <laughs> It's a whole nother story. But that is, that is not a uh, that is not a normal part of our conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> not even in the bedroom if y'all getting spicy. No, no. <laughs> he said no. Nope, she's no, never like no. she's never like yeah, that's bitch. Not our, that's not part of our love, love language. I was gonna say about the album. I was gonna say I like how you started it off with a nice little throwback to doo wop sounds. I thought that was really sweet. So, uh, what made you decide to do that? Well, that song uh, Oak Felder produced, and when we talked about it, he was like, we should do a song where doo-wop meets trap. And so we got some 808s, we got the doo-wop vocals, the I Only Have Eyes For You sample. It works. It, it, it's just the perfect track to open up the album. It's fresh, it feels good, it's sexy, and it's a beautiful beginning to the album. All right, we got more with John Legend. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with John Legend. Charlemagne? You know, in, in early June, too, John, you said your friendship with Kanye West has evolved. What, 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 what does that mean? Well, I was just saying we're in a different place now because I'm not... Uh, I had a five-album deal with Good Music, and that deal is up, so uh, we don't have a direct business relationship anymore. And then um, he's up in Wyoming most of the time, and we're still cool, but we just maybe don't see each other that much for work, or you know, we're not living in the same place. Yeah, they was trying to make it about y'all politics being so different. Yeah, and our politics have been different for a while now, and that that is what it is. As you can tell from my, I'm I'm not shy about you know uh, being proud of the work we did together because we did some great work together. Absolutely. You think what you could become friends with, with somebody now who's a Trump supporter? Like, if you think you would be like real cool with somebody who's a huge Trump supporter? Um, I mean, a new friend. It'd be different to make a new friend out of somebody. Like me and Kanye got so much history. It's like you don't just get rid of a friendship right. because of somebody's right. politics. But start a new one. I don't know. <laughs> hey, have y'all yeah, ever gotten know. that knock from the Secret Service? Cause y'all be going uh, hard on Twitter sometimes. Well, y'all used to. No, we never threatened his life. We never said anything about his, you know, anything about his life. We just, just, just uh, demeaned his character because he has no, no character. <laughs> yeah, now, now your wife is definitely called the president a bitch. 
Oh yeah, uh, pussy ass bitch. When your when your when your five album deal was up, uh, I, I'm sure they made a play to re-sign you, right? No, you, you know when you sign to a producer's production company at that point in your career, you're like you're just like you're in a different power position at that point in your career, and partly due to the fact that Kanye helped blow me up, I was in a position where I didn't have to sign anybody's production company i could just do my own deal um so you know there was never any uh, doubt that i would just sign my own deal after that five albums was up but like i said i wouldn't be where i am without doing that deal with kanye so i have no regrets what do you what is your thoughts on the word urban now that they're not going to use that at the grammys anymore you know, I always felt like Urban was a, it was like talking around what you were trying to say. I didn't think it was racist or anything, mm -hmm. but I just I always thought it was like kind of saying what you were trying to say, but not really saying it. Using Urban as a as a uh, replacement for black uh, just always felt imprecise to me. So I feel like just call it what it is. If it's black music, you call it, it just call it black music. If it's R&B or soul or reggae or any other our music that we make, hip hop, uh, call it what it is. Is this love of blackness that we're seeing from these corporations and the music industry, do you think it's going to last or do you think it's just a trend? Well, I think some of it is just a trend. Um, <laughs> I think um, everybody's feeling the pressure right now uh, because people are protesting, people are seeing, you know, horrific videos about our people getting suffocated in the streets and all that. So there is clear outrage and there's clear, there's a clear moment where people are really paying attention to black lives i feel like some of these companies will uh do these little statements and do these little uh instagram posts or whatever and then go about their regular business but hopefully some of them will actually change and to me change looks like actually hiring um black people and other people of color um having their voices heard in the executive suite we need to see like actual inclusion inside the places where the decisions are being made, where the budgets are being determined and the money is being spent, not in an Instagram post. So how do we make that happen, though? Because, you know, I, I believe hope is not a strategy. You believe hope is a strategy. Hope is the, the fuel, I think, uh, part of the fuel that you use to, to get the work done because hope means you believe that if I keep working at something, uh, we'll get it done. And so I think we still have to keep uh, pressuring these companies, these governments, all of them, to uh, do the right thing. And um, that requires tenacity. It requires uh, vigilance. It requires transparency, data, all these things. Uh, hope is part of it. If you look at what the activists, you know, people that started Black Lives Matter and, you know, other organizations have been doing, they've been actually working on this stuff, you know, when nobody's really paying attention. And so they were ready for this moment. Um, and so that means we have to stay vigilant. Um, we have to continue to organize and, and, and be activists and speak up, even when it's not a big moment like this. And we've seen you guys give a couple of hundred thousand to the protesters that were locked up to make sure that their lawyers and bail was taken care of. Yeah, we gave to a, a bail fund. We also gave to the Movement for Black Lives. Um, and then I always give to other organizations that are supporting uh, ending mass criminalization, mass incarceration. And uh, that's an ongoing thing for us and for me particularly. Have you ever had any run-ins with the police yourself, personally? I have had run-ins with the police. Uh, nothing turned violent, but uh, like when I was in college, they would just uh, stop me for no reason. 
It's just having to prove that we're not a criminal. It gets frustrating sometimes, and you can understand why sometimes brothers will resist because it's like mm-hmm. this ongoing indignity of having to prove that you should exist in the places where you exist and that you're not a threat. And I've definitely had to deal with it myself. You know, I was going to ask, how, how has this quarantine slowed things down at your TV, your TV and film production company? you got a very successful production company. I don't know if people know. Yeah, Get Lifted. Um, we, we've been putting out some great stuff. Uh, we were co-producers on the uh, special last night. We um, uh, produced a documentary that series that was on HBO called Atlanta's Missing and Murdered about the uh, Atlanta child murders. And we have some great stuff that we're working on. Um, we have, we were going to uh, start Rhythm and Flow a little earlier um, this year, but we've had to push that back a little bit because we have season two of Rhythm and Flow coming um, soon, as soon as we can get all the production happening. So, you know, some things were delayed, but but we're still moving and we're still excited about what we have going. Uh, of course, Sherman Showcase was our um, comedy music show that uh, we did a Black History Month in June special that aired on Friday as yep. well. And then uh, we just got announced that we got picked up for season two for that. So we're excited about that. So we got a lot of things happening, and I'm excited for all the work we're doing. What, what happened to the Black Wall Street project with Tika Sumter? Because now I see, like, it's like three Black Wall Street documentaries coming out. What happened with that? Exactly. We were just talking about that with uh, Hulu because we had originally um, planned to do it with Hulu, and then it didn't get picked up. And we uh, literally just wrote an email to our uh, execs at Hulu, like, yo, y'all got to pick this up. This is very yeah. relevant right now, and mm-hmm. it needs to be told. And uh, so we're going to try to resuscitate that. Did Hulu reply? Uh, we got a, <laughs> a nice reply. We got a nice reply. When I email somebody, they reply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. They want to work. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, John Legend, for checking in. We appreciate you. Your album is out right now. Bigger love. Yes. Yes. And thank, thank you for joining you. us, brother. Thank you. All righty. It's The Breakfast Club. It's John Legend. The Breakfast Club. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, NBC Universal is removing four episodes of 30 Rock from streaming services and syndication because characters had blackface. Now, they removed these at the request of Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who are the show's co-creators. Tina Fey released a statement, as we strive to do the work and do better in regards to race in America, we believe that these episodes featuring actors in race-changing makeup are best taken out of circulation. I understand now that intent is not a free pass for white people to use these images. I apologize for pain they have caused. Going forward, no comedy-loving kidneys to stumble on these tropes and be stung by their ugliness. I thank NBC Universal for honoring this request. And there you have it. And we've already told you about Gone with the Wind being removed from HBO Max. And they're going to return that to the streaming services with a disclaimer about historical context as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Blake Griffin has recalled uh, experiencing racism in high school. And you kind of look back and be like, oh, that was pretty racist. This was an episode of Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard as the host. And listen to this. So my parents did a really, really, really good job of just rising above it. And so there's situations that I, my brother and I look back now and we're like, oh, wow, that was like, that was racist. You know what I mean? Like where, because my parents didn't give it the power, Mm -hmm. it didn't affect us either, which I didn't realize was happening at the time. But remember girls in like high school saying, oh, I like you, I like your thing. And they're like, I like you too, but like, I can't, I can never date you. I'm like, you're like, why? Like my dad won't let me. He's right. 
I'm, I'm sure everybody has had those experiences. Hell, it's, it's been, <laughs> if you read uh, Bobby Brown's book, Janet Jackson wouldn't bring Bobby Brown home because she said Joe wouldn't want her to bring a black man home. Mm. So it happens. Yeah, Blake Griffin, his mother's white, his father is black, and this was while growing up in Oklahoma. So, Lord have mercy. All right, Fortnite has, has removed cop cars from their game amid police protests. So they, the Shooter Survivor video game has removed those cars. Uh, and they were, you know, Fortnite obviously is a super popular game. Even I played Fortnite at some point. Now, players never used the police vehicles. They were just for decoration. So they just removed those from the game, period. What? Why? That's getting kind of crazy, yo. It's getting <laughs> like, kind of ridiculous. Why? Just, it's like, they're like, what's next? You going to cancel Paw Patrol? No, like, they better not. They definitely going to cancel Paw Patrol. They better not they if they know what I know. Patrol. They better not. It's, not. it's only a matter of time. Well, a source told the Wall Street Journal, I wouldn't say it's a political statement. I think it's just us being sensitive about the issues many people in our audience are dealing with. You need some sort of law enforcement, though. You need some sort of law enforcement. You, you, you just can't have uh, no police officers. It'll be anarchy in these streets. Like, if somebody break into your house right now, who you going to call? Ghostbusters? No, you're going to call the goddamn police. Okay, so so you need some type of law and order. You just need you just need a better form of law and order. The police need a, a, a reform. And I hate people that say, no, I ain't calling no police. Who are you going to call him? Who are you going to call? Somebody breaking your house, lie. who are you going to call? Stop. Stop. It's a damn lie. Stop. All right. Singer Mario says that he recalls being stopped by, by Miami police, and he said he was held at gunpoint until a female officer recognized him. Now, he said three months ago he was driving in Miami with a friend who has a license to carry a concealed gun, and his friend got into an argument with another man. He said, my friend pulled out a gun, and so did the other guy. So I got out to defuse the situation. He said he managed to calm everyone down. The other guy with the gun eventually left. He said, my boy got in his car, he put his gun in the armrest, and then he went to his building to use the bathroom and left the gun. But Mario said he didn't realize somebody had called the police. They had witnessed the altercation, called the police. He said two cops came up to the car with their guns drawn shouting. He said, I forgot about the gun that was in the armrest. And when they asked me if there were any guns in the car, I said, no, there's no guns in the car. The officers then told him not to move. And he put his hands up and the cop said, there's a gun right there. Why did you lie to me? And he was trying to explain. But then that's when the woman who was a cop appeared and said, wait, aren't you Mario? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he told them don't shoot. And so he said he did experience racism, but he says, I've also experienced privilege as an artist. As an artist, I will say we do have privilege, whether it's sports, entertainment. We see power in all these different spaces, but with that also comes privilege. Um, Yeah, he's right. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely right. Yeah, Dave Chappelle I mean, talked situation. about it, getting pulled over, yeah. and the cop was like, oh, you're yeah. Dave Chappelle. People know who you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fact. All right, Nicki Minaj has congratulated the Barb's because Trolls is number one on Billboard's Hot 100 songs chart this week. Here's what she had to say. Y'all did this with no playlist thing and no radio. So for us to do that, debuting, that's insane. So I love you guys so much. We just did the highest pure sales of the year. So, yeah, the one thing she does want to get off her chest, though, is things that have been going on in this industry for just way too long as well. Yeah, like so, them or love them, going number one with no radio play and no real support, that's that's big. Congratulations to them. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, um, we'll see you guys in a little bit. Shout to Revolt. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. 800-585-1051.
Call us up with your request. It's Memphis Bleak's birthday, too. So I'm going to get some Bleak on in the mix. All right? It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now we got a shout to uh, the Johns for joining us this morning. John Legend and John Stewart. Yes, salute to John Stewart and John Legend. Um, Irresistible, I enjoyed it. I saw some mm-hmm. bad reviews for it, but um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I think that it's a good way to make people understand where we're at in American politics in a very entertaining way. So if I think it comes out this weekend. So yeah. check it out if you if, if, if you get a chance to. All right. All right. All right. When we come back, we got the positive notes. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, um, you guys be safe out there. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. I ain't gonna front. I ain't seeing nobody social distance, bro. I ain't seeing nobody ain't doing nobody. what they supposed to be doing. People are out and about. I don't know. Them days are over. It's very, first of all, it's summertime. You know, the weather is nice. People want to be out. They've been cooped up for the past three months. It's going to be very hard to get people to social distance in the summertime. Very hard. But, yeah, you know, people are out. Make I seen, sure you wear your mask. I seen people okay, playing I baseball yesterday. Sure. They were playing basketball in the parks. I'm like, man, it's a wrap. Just make sure you wear your mask. All right. That's all. Well, well, you got a positive note? Yes, man. The positive note is simply this. Uh, I trust the process of life. There is a rhythm and flow to life, and I am part of it. Life supports me and brings to me only good and positive experiences. I trust the process of life to live it, to bring me my highest good. Breakfast Club, bitches! Are y'all finished or y'all 